you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Moved into our building. Amen. Romans chapter 12 and James chapter 1. I'm going to link these two passages together this morning. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. James chapter 1 verse number 8. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I want you to notice the scripture reading here. You present your bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. James chapter 1, verse number 8, a double-minded man. Or woman, or young adult, or youth, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, with the help of the Lord this morning, I, I, I felt led of the Lord to speak to you this morning on commitment, and I'm going to use for a title this morning, Totally committed and I do need the help of the Lord this morning to speak what I feel in my spirit and uh, let's just see what the Lord has in store for us today you don't have to stand but would you pray with me right where you are this morning God I pray over the word of God that is about to come forth your word was anointed from the beginning of time but I pray now that you anoint your messenger today that you anoint the minds of the people God to receive your word and we thank you for it in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen. Pondering the thought of why there are close to 100 million church members in America, yet church members in America are not making more of a moral or spiritual impact than what they really are. I wonder why is it this morning that on a Sunday morning that thousands of churches have more empty pews than full pews. We're blessed here this morning. We have quite a few full pews. If I brought in all of the children and youth and had everybody in here, we would have to uh, quickly grab seats and set seats 
out. This building is built to seat about 200. We add some chairs on the back and chairs in the front and cram a few more in. And I get our weekly attendance, attendance report from our attendance takers. And typically I see numbers around 270 or so on Sunday. And I thank God for that. Uh, but across America, more churches are fledgling than are prospering. Uh, read recently uh, that the average church attendance in America is about 84 people in attendance. The average, the average American church, about 84 people in attendance. While that only about 12.5% of the American population even uh, calls themselves Christian and attends church on Sunday. Only about 12 and a half, that means 87 and a half percent of America is at home in bed this morning. That puts us in a minority, yet we still believe that uh, America is a Christian nation. A little conversation in my house a few days ago regarding... Uh, regarding Christianity and other uh, religions of the world and the conversation began to uh, be, be raised about why people uh, of other religions may want to destroy somebody, may want to kill somebody and somebody said, well, they, they, maybe they all don't and, and I was listening for a little while before I left the room and uh, thinking and pondering through, I began to recognize that uh, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, uh, meaning that they believe in God. They believe there is a God, and they call themselves Christian. But being called to the point of dying for their faith, they, they would not. Because truly, they are not committed. Uh, why is it that only about 50% of the people who claim church membership actually attend a church in America? Only about 50% of those who, who claim a church affiliation actually ever attend beyond Christmas and Easter or Mother's Day. Only 50%. It means there's a lot of people that claim beyond just claiming to have belief in Jesus, even claim to be part of a church, yet they are not committed to that church in any real way. They don't really know what's going on. I, I remember uh, before we started our building project and the men in our church had time to play softball. We played softball and I remember going to a tournament and one of the teams uh, was doing very well in the tournament. And somebody had mentioned to me that most of the guys that are playing on that church team actually didn't attend that church. And uh, it could be frustrating because we had some pretty stringent rules here that you had to be in church on Sunday if you were going to play ball on Monday. And uh, yet we went and played some other church teams and uh, 
they, they were telling us, all oh, those people don't really go to their church. They just, they just brought them in because they're all-star players and they're doing good in the tournament. And I don't know. They might have had the upper hand. I don't remember what vengeful, why the vengeful spirit came over me like it did. But uh, I, I'll never forget that I got up and got on base and they got me around the third base and I could tell by the appearance just the mere appearance of the guy on third base watching his attitude as he played. I, I was thinking, uh, he doesn't know the Jesus I know at least. And so I got around on third base and I said, hey, who's your pastor? And he said, huh? I said, this is a church team. Who's your pastor? What's his name? He looked over at the shortstop. He said, hey, Joe, what's a pastor's name? He said, I don't know. Ask Harry. He called me. That's American church. People call themselves Christian, but they don't even know who they, they claim church affiliation, but they don't even know who their pastor is. If Christians really believed, if people in America who claim Christianity really believe in a real heaven, and a real hell, I would tell you that every church in America would need to be in a building project. But the issue is, is people who even claim Christianity or maybe even claim church membership do not believe in a literal heaven or a literal hell. I heard recently an article or a clip, and it could have been taken out of context, I don't know, I didn't have the, the time to be able to spend on it, but one of the prominent ministers in America, if I called his name uh, recently, it was declared that he made a statement, and I did hear the statement, and he did make the statement, whether it was a clip taken out of context, which people can easily do today. Don't say anything in front of Spencer when he's got a video camera, or he can make you say anything he wants you to say. So it could have been one of those Spencer moment deals, you know. But this prominent pastor in America, uh, according to this news article, declared that there is no literal hell. Ladies and gentlemen, people have lost their fear of God. Their reverence of God. Of course, many people claim that they believe, but there is a huge difference between believing and being committed. And while I may debunk this morning the idea of partial commitment, because the very word commitment means that it is totally, solely, fully, it speaks of a, of a complete commitment, and there is no such thing as a partial com commitment. But perhaps this could not be seen any clearer than it is in the failure rates of marriages in America. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. This is happening because many couples make a decision without a commitment. If every person who married and made a decision also made a commitment you would see that number drastically change. 
But the scary part is it's not even a marriage, which I believe is very important in the sight of God, but the same is true in the church, and yes, even in the apostolic church, yes, even in Christian life church, but the reason that many churches and many lives are fledgling spiritually is because there are a lot of church members who claim membership but who have never made a real commitment. Why don't you look at your neighbor and ask them, are you committed? In order for our lives to flourish, we must be committed. When the pilot of those giant airliners that are speeding down the runway for takeoff, there is a point of no return where that jetliner is zooming down. They have to take to the air or they're going to crash. In other words, they're still on the ground, but they can't shut it down. If they did, it would end in failure. That, that, that point of no return where that airliner has, has to take to the sky, uh, they, 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 they have no, there is no longer any other option. They have to be totally committed. Now, when he crosses that line, he is committed to the air for a takeoff or a disastrous crash, which would be imminent. At that point, the pilot can no longer change his mind or change his commitment. <clears throat> this is where the scripture comes into mind this morning that I read into your hearing. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Unfortunately, a lot of people never get off the ground in their walk and relationship with God. They spend their whole life revving their engines and making noise, but they're getting nowhere. They've been planning on it, meaning to, wanting to, trying to, going to, aiming to, hoping to. But the truth is, is they never got off the ground because they didn't really want to commit. I want to challenge you today to make a commitment that is deeper than some sort of a surface commitment. It's really a non-commitment. We, we look, I, I know in business sometimes, you, you know, you want to do business and they want some sort of commitment. But if we're not sure, I, I always am looking for a route out. Well, I, I, I want to test the waters before I step in fully. I don't want to commit to something unless till I really know about their product, until I know, really know about their service, until I, I, I know a little more. Yet I would like to, I would like to move, and so I'm very cautious in moving in. Nothing wrong with being cautious, but I can tell you we're good when it comes to God. In Romans, the 12th chapter, I read under your hearing this morning where he says to present, everybody say present, your body a living sacrifice. And then he goes on to say, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word to present, in order to present, one has to be present. You can't present something without being present. So in order to present, this word 
present is a technical Greek word that was used for offering of sacrifice. It's with a very distinct word as it is saying, present your body a living sacrifice. This word present uh, was a very specific word that was used, not, not an ordinary word, not a, not a half-hearted word, but a word that was specifically used toward uh, voluntarily taking the, the sacrifice to the priest and offering it under no duress, giving it, offering it unto the priest to sacrifice the lamb for your children and for your household. Now notice that the Bible does not say, I command you, but the scripture says, I beseech you. Here is the, the difference in commitment. The Lord, the Lord requires commitment. He calls for commitment. He commands commitment. But in the wording used here, the scripture instead says, I beseech you or I beg you. The, 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 the alternate of that, as I'm studying it in Scripture, uh, is, is quite different from the way we understand command. In, that, uh, in, mili- in, the mili- in a military term, the commanding officer would speak what you're to do and you are required to carry out the command. It is an order. Paul did not say, I order you. Or in military terms, I command you. I dispatch you for a specific purpose. But instead, he said, I beseech you, or I beg you, or I call to you, or I ask you, would you please consider it? Because any man who takes his life and presents his life unto God, a sacrifice unwillingly, will at the point of pressure, at the point of trial, want to jerk himself back up off of the altar. But this word present goes so deeply that it is referring to the taking of the lamb to the altar at the sacrifice of sacrifice. And they would take that lamb or that bullock. And there were four horns on the altar, alternating the four corners of the altar. And there was a horn that was attached. And they would take that sacrifice. And they would tie the four limbs of that sacrifice to the four corners of the altar. Therefore, they had truly made a commitment. As the lamb or the bullock was being sacrificed, as the fire was upon it, it could not fall off. It could not have some sort of of a reaction that caused it to come up off of the altar. Therefore, the apostle begins to declare, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. What he is saying is willingly, not under duress, not because the preacher screams from the pulpit, not because hell, fire, and brimstone is preached 
to the point of scaring you half to death. Not because the Lord Jesus Christ makes an appearance and walks down the aisle and points at you and calls you out, but because you know that heaven is real and it's to gain and hell is real and it's to shun. But And for you to know that God is good and that he will always see you through. The commandment here is I beseech you. I beg you, brother. I call on you, sister, to take yourself to the altar and to tie yourself to the altar of sacrifice. That is the kind of commitment that it is calling for here. This is something that is completely up to you. There is no commandment. Somebody says, well, do I have to do all of these things? Absolutely not. Do you think I'm going to make the city? I hope you do but this much I know the apostle said I'm asking you I'm begging you would you tie yourself to the altar would you make the kind of commitment to the altar that you're not going to pull yourself back up when the pressure gets on when the fire starts burning when the pressures of life come down when you have disagreement with a brother or a sister or a leader but you're tied to the altar I am totally committed Paul goes on to say, this is our reasonable service. What? He didn't even use the word sacrifice. He said, this is our reasonable service. I looked at some of the wording used here. What did he mean when he said reasonable service? If he would have said reasonable sacrifice, I could have understood. But he said reasonable service. What he is referring to here is this is a daily routine. It is a service item in the life of a child of God. It is a serviceable item, meaning on a daily basis, you ought to get up every day and say, I'm making a commitment for today. No matter what the day throws at me, I am committed totally. I present my body a living sacrifice, totally holy, acceptable unto God, for it is my reasonable service. It is my daily routine to get up in the morning and tie myself to the altar and say, God, I'm on the altar today. Whatever you can do through me, you do it. Believers are told that they are to present themselves. Everybody say present yourself. Present themselves a living sacrifice with the understanding that there really is no such thing as a partial sacrifice. Otherwise, It is only an offering. But a whole sacrifice is a total commitment. It's not saving back a piece of the sacrifice, but it's taking that which is costly. It's taking that which is the best. It is taking everything that you have and the best that you have and giving it and offering the very best that you have. My dad's here this morning And I was thinking as I was studying late last night 
of a little story that my dad told, and I don't remember all the details of the story. Dad, you can tell me at lunch today. You can correct me on the story and get it exactly right. But dad pastored in a little small community that was near Lake Toledo Bend, and I was a child, and I remember dad telling the story that there was somebody that went out, and they, they had caught some fish, and uh, they came over to the house, and they brought brought some fish all packaged up and uh, they brought it over and they gave it to my dad and uh, I, I want to say that the fish maybe when dad got the fish out began to thaw it I, I want to say maybe it was it was spoiled the fish was no good it was nasty and uh, dad was he, he, you know what, what am I going to say when the man comes back and says hey how was that fish and uh, uh, he, he, so he had, of course, he had to dispose of the fish. He had to throw the fish away. And when the man comes back and began to ask Dad about the fish, hey, how was that fish? Dad had to tell him, well, it was, it was spoiled, and I, I had to throw it away. I had to get rid of it. He said, that's all right. Don't worry about it. I'll bring you some more. He said, I don't like fish anyway. And here dad thought out of the goodness of this man's heart, he was sharing what he liked, what he wanted, what was good. Brother Nathan, uh, Brother Nathan, I, I don't know, he's all the time telling me about cooking. I guess Sister Andrea cooks too. I'm, I'm just, but Brother Nathan's a pretty good cook in case you get invited over to the She's household. And uh, brother, I'm working out at the campus, and Brother Nathan sends me a text message. He's done this a few times. Sends me a text message. He said, Pastor, I made some gumbo tonight. Would you like any? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> and he said, would you like some potato salad? Holy Lord. <laughs> I mean, gumbo without potato salad, what do you have? Northern soup. absolutely sounds amazing. He brings it over, and I sat down, and my wife said, and I warn you, it's spicy. I said, he didn't bring you any. How do you know? <laughs> I said, man, it was good. I, I want you to know it was a sacrifice. It had to be a sacrifice because it was so good, and gumbo just, you know, gumbo's better the second day. So, I mean, he shared his gumbo. This man loves his pastor. I mean, that's all I can say. You share your gumbo, you, you love your pastor. And man, it was good. He, he made a sacrifice because he gave something that was good. Now, this, this, this fine man, I don't even remember who it was, so I'm, I'm lost if, if their family members are li listening online this morning that know this story, Dad. Uh, I don't remember who this was or any of the, but but the, the man came and he said, well, I don't like fish anyway. He hadn't made a sacrifice. He brought, he didn't want to have to go throw it out back. It's easier to drop it off by the preacher's house. Maybe he can get some tax credit for it. <laughs> he hadn't made a sacrifice. You don't like fish. It's a different story when the Lord said, this is a personal thing. I want you to present your body. Hmm. Brother Mark, 
Sister Carrie, Brother Danny, no problem, but whoa. Me? Yeah. It's easy for you to commit for somebody else, but present your own body a living sacrifice. I don't mean when you're dead you will and say, well, this is what I'm going to put in my will after I'm gone. I want this to happen and that to happen. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to be around. I won't really know about it anyway. How do you know? But when it's a living sacrifice, it's a difference in me saying, Dylan, when I'm gone, I'm going to leave you the thousand dollars. Than for me to pull a thousand dollars out of the bank account. Let me rephrase. For me to pull a thousand dollars out of my wife's bank account and say, I'm going to give it to you, Dylan. Because today I feel the pain. Today I'm doing it. Oh, this is costing me. It's hurting me. I'm giving you something because I'm living. After I'm gone, I laid up what was to spare. But the apostle said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to present your own self a living sacrifice. Oh, that's going to hurt. Yes, it is. That's going to cost. Yes, it is. That's the whole point. It is a living sacrifice, not a partial commitment, but a whole commitment. See the sacrifice tied on the altar. The Lord said, get up every day and do it over again and do it over again and do it over again. Present your body a living sacrifice. There's a little story told about a pig and a chicken walking down the road together and they were talking. That's a weird story already. As they walked along the, the road, they also could read. There's another weird part of this story. The chicken and the pig saw a sign and the sign was advertising a breakfast to benefit the poor. The chicken said to the pig, you and I should donate some ham and eggs. The pig replied, not so fast. For you, it would just be a contribution. But for me, it would be a total commitment. <laughs> Wake up your neighbor. They're asleep this morning. <laughs> if that's not funny to you, you're asleep. The pig, the pig at least understood that it's not possible to offer a partial sacrifice. See, here's the difference in sacrifice and contribution. Truly, Brother Nathan made a contribution to his pastors, to his pastor breaking his diet. He made a contribution because he saved some back for himself. But the greater sacrifice is when he makes some gumbo and brings over and says, No, it's all yours. I'm preaching so good for myself this morning. <laughs> Lord, forgive my foolishness. To commit yourself wholly and totally to God 
means that we are to yield ourselves to Him. Surrender ourselves to Him. Abandon ourselves. Entrust ourselves to Him. Place ourselves at His disposal. True commitment is not something that you can take back. I remember when I was a kid, some sort of song, don't remember the song, but somebody, the song went on that they laid their head on the railroad track, but when the train comes by, they're going to jerk it back. How many of you remember that song? <laughs> now you know why that I, my, all my music was not godly. I don't think that was a Jesus song. My dad taught me that song when I was a kid. <laughs> so I guess I got to preach this and be not conformed to the world. <laughs> but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of the Lord. There are two things in the original Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar, I have to just do word searches and search things out and try to come up with the meaning as to the best of my understanding. But there are two words in the original Greek that deserve special attention here. The first word that translate conformed, this is the word where the word we get our English word to scheme from. It means confirmation that is outward without a necessary heart change your heart involvement. The second word in this passage is transformed. This, this word comes from the English word. It is very closely related to the English word metamorphosis, which a metamorphosis is what a caterpillar would go through as it spins a, a cocoon and goes in and it goes in a caterpillar and comes out a butterfly. That's called a metamorphosis. So uh, this transformation that is happening shows an image of the caterpillar as it's going in. So the scripture is saying, don't get caught up in the schemes of the world. Don't get caught up in all of their verbiage and all of their schemes, but be transformed. This is a change from the inside out. Confirmation is on the outside with nothing that has happened on the inside. But transformation is referring to something that happens on the inside and ends up showing on the outside. Mm, I wish you could get this this morning. When the caterpillar goes into the, to the cocoon, you don't see the work on the outside that is happening. But when it breaks forth, it comes forth completely different, although you could not see the work, but the end product is much, much greater. This kind of change is the work of the Holy Ghost. I grew up in the deep south where there were a lot of lizards and lizards were, are everywhere. And you go down in the summertime, we used to catch lizards and lizards are weird creatures. You break their tail off and they grow a new tail back. They want to attract, they want to attract uh, bugs to come through. They lift their head real high and 
They used to call it showing their money. They have a little red patch that looks like a penny and it'd pop out and in and out and in and out and bugs would fly close to see what this, this was a flower or what it was and that lizard would grab it and, and th- those lizards, they'd, they'd be on a plant and it'd be green and they'd run off of that leaf and run over onto the bark and you go over and get close to it and you could just watch it happen. It didn't take just in moments that lizard would just go from bright green all of a sudden down it'd go and it'd just start being about the color of the bark of that tree because it's a chameleon. It changes color but there's no real change to the lizard. It's a chameleon. It just changes to look like its surroundings. Mm, ain't nobody going to help the preacher this morning. What the Apostle Paul is calling us to is not to be a chameleon and show up to church on Sunday and change the way we talked all week long and the way we acted all week long or the way we looked all week long but to show up on Sunday looking like we're a Christian talking like we're a Christian that's a Sunday morning chameleon but the apostle called us be not conformed but be transformed go through a metamorphosis let something on the inside change oh I'm preaching to you this morning that God is wanting us to change the heart he's wanting us to change what is on the inside and when we break forth it will show up everybody around us will see but it requires an internal change when we commit ourselves to the altar commit ourselves to God we are committing ourselves to a lifestyle change that will happen in the heart and will show up on the outside you can't come out from the world and stay in the world Jesus said you can't serve two masters. He said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Give me just a few more moments and I'll close this morning. I want to leave you three. I want to leave you three things that every believer is called to do. The first thing that I want to tell you this morning is every believer is called to discipleship. What I mean by this is every believer is called to personal growth and personal development. We are called to commit ourselves to study the Word of God. This is why it is important to get plugged into small groups, not just fellowship groups that do what you like to do, but you should be plugged into small groups. You should be faithful to the house of the Lord, not just on Sunday because you like the music and like the preaching, but we need to be present when there's teaching and things that get deep into our spirit. Maybe you need to ask for a home Bible study or one of our ministers to come and teach and get deeper in the word of the Lord. That will inflict pain at points of our life. It's not things that make us feel good. It's not something that inspires us, but it's called to change. It is personal growth. It is discipleship. Disciples are learners. We should never reach the point when we no longer are learners. We should never reach the point when when we're satisfied like we are and I've done everything. I've arrived. I've accomplished. I got asked to do something, to be an usher, to be a greeter, to sing in the choir, to work. So I've arrived. This is as far as I need to go. But we ought to always be learning, always be studying, always be, be being, uh, uh, becoming a better disciple. Every believer is called to personal growth and development. 
And the second thing, excuse me, the second thing that every believer is called to is every believer is called to commitment to involvement. First is commitment to discipleship. The second is commitment to involvement in the local church body. When the Lord saved them in the early church, he added them to the church. He didn't add them to the church without saving them, and he didn't save them without adding them to the church. Every believer should be committed to involvement in the local church body. You should be seeking discipleship to grow, develop, to learn, to get to the point where you can be involved in the local ministry of the church. The local church is the first level of commitment outside of our personal relationship with the Lord. The local church is our first level of commitment. First is our relationship with God. Secondly, and that's our discipleship, our growing and development. Secondly, it is our involvement in the local church body. <coughs> commitment to involvement. The local church, with all of its imperfections, is still the Lord's major avenue <coughs> through which He chooses to accomplish His work. The church gathers for worship, teaching, fellowship, to gain power, strength, and inspiration to carry out the ministries of each member. And for them to be scattered into the various parts and responsibilities of the area and the region and to carry the gospel. That's why members who forsake the assembling of, the, of themselves together forfeits the power of corporate identity. Does that make sense? That's why it's important for you to be part. It's one thing to say, well, I go to that church down there. It's another thing for you to say, I'm a member of that church. It's another thing for you to say, I'm part. I'm committed to being part. Those who refuse to be part forsake the the power, they, they are forsaking the assembling of themselves and they forfeit the power of corporate identity. Commitment to church is deeper than just attendance to worship services, but it does begin here and it is a very important part. You'll never hear me this morning. You will never truly feel like you're part of this church or any other church, church as far as that goes. By only attending services. If you want to feel isolated, feel estranged, feel part, just show up only for church services. You have to be involved. You have to be giving. You have to be laboring. You have to be working. And the more that you get involved in, the more you're going to feel ownership into what's happening. Commitment to a local church also demands faithfulness and loyalty. When we're unfaithful, when we're in one day and out the next, up one day and down the next, you'll never find the favor of God nor the favor of people. There's got to be steadfastness. Commitment to being steadfast. Making a commitment to get involved. In the life 
And the ministries of a local church is one of the best decisions that you will ever do. It will anchor you into the church. Your family will be part of what's going on. Can I just pause for a moment to tell you a cool story? This summer, several of our kids, several of our local kids, our church kids, learned to ride bicycles without training wheels. Not at home. Not on the streets of their community that they live in. But on the rough asphalt at the new campus. Because their mamas and daddies were there working and laboring. And they brought the bicycles and the kids out and let the kids play together while mom and dad was working and laboring. The memories that will never be forgotten. Oh, I remember where I learned how to ride my bicycle without training wheels. Let it set in for a moment. You're building memories. Your family will build memories. There's things that you'll share that you'll never forget. All right. The third, the third point that I want to bring you before I close here <clears throat> is that every believer is called to commitment in cooperation. Commitment to a local church means moving in for a permanent stay. Cooperation. This means we must make it our own. You know what the church is, is becoming? Whatever you make it. If you're criticizing the church, you're using your energy for all the wrong things. Come in and help change it. If you feel there's changes that need to be made in the church, come in, sit down with me, talk to me. I want to hear what you got to say. If I disagree, I'll explain to you my point of disagreement. But if I agree with you, I'm going to ask you to help us make it what it ought to be. We've got to make the church what it ought to be. We're making it our own. The Lord is building the church and He's building it through its members. There is a difference between attending church and making it your church. Oh my. It's one thing to say it's that church or there. It's another thing to say it's my church. Commitment to a local church means actively using what God has blessed you with in the spirit of cooperation to further the ministry of the church. We have to commit ourselves to cooperate with the ministry of the local church, to participate in everything that we can be part of, to say, Pastor, when it is possible, if it's service, I'm there. If it's fellowship, I'm in. If it's labor, count on me. If it's prayer, you got it. If it's giving, I'll do my best. If it costs me, this is what I do. This is my life. If it helps you, I'll be here for my church family. This is where God planted me. This is where I want my roots to grow deep. This is where I want to grow from. If we ever get to the point that we think that ministry is always somewhere else, you're missing the point. So proud of some of our young people. I met Wednesday night with Scott and Cassie and Callista. Callista's getting ready to do a missions trip and uh, she, next year. She'll, I think it'll be next year during the summer. She's doing a missions trip. And uh, I think Callista, what is she, 16, 17? And... Um, uh, I think this is fantastic. 
for our young people to get their feet wet in, in doing the work of the Lord. And so she wants to be part of a missions trip. And so uh, the youth department of the United Pentecostal Church has missions trips. And you pay money and have chaperones. And you go and it's kind of a sightseeing thing. And you go and be part. And they'll, have, they'll put choirs together, <coughs> outreach teams together, things of this sort. And so she came in and was talking about it and what she's wanting to do. And, and I reminded her as, as I was sitting there, I said, Calista, this is wonderful. This is great. But don't get the thought in your mind that in order to do something for God, it's got to be across the seas. What are you doing on a local basis? She said, Pastor, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to start a P7 club in my church. I said, that's what I'm talking about. Because 87.5% of, of, of the people that live in our community did not attend church this morning. That means we've got a big job to do. Sure go across the world. Sure win the world in, in Asia and wherever. But 87.5% of the people that you meet, that means, that means most of the people that you sit at lunch with today, if you go to a restaurant, maybe did not attend church today. It requires commitment. We're not just commitment to a, committed to a field. We're committed to a cause. I'm closing this morning. I hope this is more than just a message. But I opened the door of the church this morning because Jesus said to come. He said, all them that are athirst, let them come. Let him that is hungry, let him come. God is calling the church this morning to commitment. He's calling us to a point of commitment, deep commitment, not surface commitment, not just being around the church, not just being believing in God, but truly being committed to Him. That means fully accepting, receiving, and following the salvation plan. If you don't know the Lord this morning, if you have never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I call, it, I call you to it this morning. If you need more information, I'll be glad to teach you a Bible study or connect you with one of our good young ministers that are teaching Bible studies. And we'll teach you if you need more information. But everybody ought to know who Jesus is. And you got to do more than just believe, but he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And so the Bible calls us to repentance and it calls us to baptism. And then there's a promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never received it, it's all part of the salvation plan and process. And you need it today. I fling the doors of the church open this morning. Maybe you're a casual attender. Maybe you just come once in a while. If that's you this morning, I'm not calling you out in a bad way. But I'm calling you and telling you, this is a good day to say, hey, I'm going to make this my church. Maybe you've been coming for some times and you say, I go to that church. I go to their church. This would be a good morning for you to look at your family and say, this is our. This is our church. This would be a good morning for you to take your family by the hand and lead them right down here to the front and look at your family and say, we're going to pray for the first time. I know we've been coming to the altar. I know we've been attending here, but we're coming today. This is my church. 
This is our church. This is where we're going to grow from. That man up there that preached this morning, that's my pastor. This is our choir. This is our music team. That building we're moving into, that's my building. I help build it. I help work in it. I'm going to grow that church out there. Maybe I'm new around here and haven't been able to volunteer. But today, I'm making a commitment. I'm growing with the church. Not that church, but I'm growing with my church. I'm moving with my church. I'm growing with my church. I'm becoming with my church. Calling you to commitment today. Stand with me all over the room if you would. I'm calling you to the commitment of building new relationships. Maybe you've been committed to God for many years. Maybe you've been around the church for many years. How about your commitment to those around you? One of the fast-growing churches in the state of Kansas, pastor of that great church, preached at Mark Conference this past week. He's quite a Bible study teacher. His church is quite gifted in Bible study teaching by the example of their wonderful pastor. I was talking to a friend of mine about the growth of that church and others. He began to share with me He said, there's something that I'm noticing. He said, the churches that are fast growing, the churches that are retaining people, the churches that are discipling people and people are coming in are places where the the congregation catches the vision and understands that it's one of the simplest things that they can do. But they're just taking people to lunch and connecting with people and spending time with folks. Maybe you've been in the church, committed to God for a long time, committed to the church for a long time. I'm calling you to a commitment this morning. How about being committed to those in the church that you don't know? Maybe you're not closely connected with. But it would be a good thing this morning for us to say, I'm going to be committed to connecting with somebody that I don't know. Maybe I'd like to take them to, for coffee or catch lunch or dinner. Just make a connection with somebody. calling you to commitment this morning don't don't wait for somebody to ask you take the initiative sometimes availability is often better than ability sometimes it's just going and saying hey I'm just making myself available to you what can I do to help you I see a brother or sister in need I'm committed not partially but totally If everybody in this church would make the the kind of commitment that I have talked about this morning, if you would make the kind of commitment that I've shared with you this morning, I would tell you that in the matter of just a few months of moving into the new building, we'll have to start talking about the next building because we won't be able to seat everybody. Because when the church gets committed to God, gets committed to the church, gets committed to each other, The church is unstoppable. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I've made several appeals and calls this morning to these different layers and levels of commitment. As I call you this morning, I open these altars and give you an opportunity to step out. Maybe you're here this morning and no, Pastor, you've spoken to me today. 
Maybe you'd like to just take your family by the hand. Maybe you'd like to take your spouse by the hand. Maybe you'd like to just walk up alone this morning, whatever it may be. But why don't you come this morning and just for a few minutes come and make a commitment to the Lord and say, God, here I am. I'm tying myself. I am committing myself. I'm coming today, Lord. My prayer life is going to grow. My discipleship, I'm going to, I'm going to be committed to growth and development and being and doing and accomplishing for your kingdom more than I ever have before. Thank you for responding this morning. There's room for more. Everybody's welcome. Why don't you step from where you are? Come on, make a commitment to the church. Make a commitment to God. He's calling us today. He's calling us to God. He's calling us today. Oh, yes. not to walk forward but you're still making that commitment in the pew where you are today let this song just be your prayer today I give myself I commit my heart to you commit my life to you everything I am everything I'm not I commit to you so you can use me give myself away oh Making myself available to you, Lord. 